Q-List, brought to you by Same Same But Black, a collection of queer conversations released during Auckland Pride 2022, supported by the Sparks Empowerment Fund. Welcome to Q-List 2022. I'm your host, Michelle, from Same Same But Black. So, welcome to a conversation with Donald Hoddersworth. And Donald's going to introduce himself and over to you, Donald. Kia tēnā koe. Ko mōtutou te maunga, ko taitokarau te awa, ko mōtutou te marae, ko manu kōkiri te whare tūpuna, ko Nāti Manu te hapu, ko Nāti Hene no Ngāpohi te iwi, ko Donald toku ingoa. Good evening. Let's talk about the queue list and why. How difficult was it for you to make your choices? Oh no, they just came. It's interesting that they came in sort of two parts of my life, I suppose, like the 80s and now, well, close enough to now, especially the books and the music. No, not the books and the music, the artists and the other artists, but it was either the 80s, which really influenced me, or now, which is good. So that's kind of where I came up with it, because the 80s, because, you know, in the 80s, I was a teenager before I started hairdressing, and it was like, really, well, I, I didn't have hairdressing. I had school friends, my parents, I suppose, occasionally, and uh, my music, because I collected records. So, like I said, it was either the 80s or now, which is how I came up with my list, my cue list, which I'm very excited to share with you. Let's speak about your choices and... Um... Let's start with um let's start with gentlemen take Polaroids, Japan. Yes. How old was I? I would have been twelve when I discovered them. And it was on a magazine that I used to collect called Number One. So how would a twelve year old because they sort of disbarred in nineteen eighty maybe nineteen eighty three, I think, they disbarred. Not even that far even earlier, I actually can't confirm a date right now, but when I first saw them, I was like, oh my God, look at them, these men covered in makeup and hair, and I just wanted to look like them. And then I started listening to them, and I was 12. So David Sylvian, you know, and Japan, David Sylvian was the uh, lead singer. David Sylvian and Japan, they were very sort of melodic, and he was quite depressed sounding. And, you know, he wrote songs about ghosts and what was in vogue and quiet lives and stuff like that. And his lyrics were such a play on words. And I was 12 and I was listening to this stuff and I was discovering how to speak anyway. So I sort of started speaking in this melodic, you know, deadpan uh, music from the 80s. So Japan... The first song in my collection, Gentlemen Take Polaroids, had an incredible effect on me. And I think this came out in 81, and it was an album that was called Gentlemen Take Polaroids as well. So that song, um, yeah, changed the way I wanted to look because they looked like that. They were in their 20s. So I was, you know, 12, 13. And so, you know, I was following the way they looked. And I did that stuff for a few years after that. Um, they were the beginning of that glam men period that I really liked and that led on to Duran Duran who else did I really like at that time that were glamorous oh of course you know Boy George Culture Club 
and the third the next song which i will segue into would you like me to lead into the next song yeah so then that leads us really nicely into dead or alive love come back to me <laughs> talk to us about what the inspiration and why dead or alive made your cue list well you spin me right round why didn't i spin, uh, choose that song you spin me round i didn't choose it because it was typical and also because he was talented in so many other ways he was a goddess to me um i loved his bites you know and it was really fast and i was young i was 13 i was 14 probably around that time when i discovered dead or alive and i, I took them on to nightclubs and i was 15 when i was listening to them and this song came out i was 85 and i adored them then because of the way that he was and he really questioned even what they did and he didn't like people copying him he said oh you just look you just look like me but even though they'd never seen him before but it was just the way that men felt about dressing at the time but he still criticized them for it and he also had to run here this most incredibly strong voice and then he faded off after he had his face ruined by a, an italian plastic surgeon and it really you know ruined his beautiful face and it's, but this song i picked because i love its tune i also love the way he acts in the video and he's got such a strong voice how did you come about picking pet shop boys well it was that song that i found out that they were gay um before that with uh west end girls i didn't make the same connection no i knew i was but wondering about other people i suppose if they were so i wondered about the pet shop boys then but then somehow i found out i found out that they were i was also given a poster by the girl that worked at hmv that i used to hang out with and she gave me this huge one of uh the pet shop boys on a motorcycle and her face in the background of dusty springfield from the 60s but tell me why bronski beat and how this song fits into your cue list with that song you know the first song small town boy i was mid 80s so i would have been 13 yeah i was at high school maybe even now i was 14 when they brought that out um and tell me why so tell me why is about the line that gets me is you know contempt in your eyes when i turn to kiss his lips and you know i've seen that sort of contempt when i've been affectionate with somebody i thought i was being affectionate privately but i wasn't when they saw me and they may have even reacted i can't remember it was a long time ago but i remember thinking how i that's how i love that line so much because it reminded me of that moment when someone looked at me with contempt in their eyes thinking that i wasn't natural or thinking that i wasn't whatever they thought at the time but i've seen contempt you know what i mean so that's what attracted me to that song the most besides small town boy i love tell me why tell us about icelandic so how did we discover gus gus my friend jason who has since passed he um died of lymphoma actually and he really struggled with mental health which made him really unwell for his boyfriend he never made him really unwell for me as a friend anyway jason introduced me to Guscus one night we were together celebrating life no we're celebrating um andrew's birthday actually andrew is his partner and i used to cut andrew's here i didn't cut jason's because he used to cut his own that's cool 
and we were there hanging out. We were probably drinking Bollinger because we love Bollinger. We love expensive alcohol. So we were enjoying each other's time. And then he started playing music for me. He'd always played music, but then we were the same age. So we understood each other's music. And then he started, um, and then he played Guscus and he played this live video, which I've connected you to, um, which is them singing the song, Obnoxiously Sexual. And there's this line that I just think is makes it now which makes people, which makes me think that people are, you know, sort of free. This lyric, when I woke up, I guess you didn't know I would steal you from your girlfriend, but filtered to the secret side, fill and raised by the fourth of the sky. I love it. I bet you didn't know I would steal you from your girlfriend. So that's why I love that now. And I also love that thus um, Icelandic. And in the video that I've connected you to... Donald, part of your Q-list collection is also includes a series of books. Out of that selection, which one do you find yourself returning to? Why have you selected Nico, Life and Lies of an Icon? Because at that time, I was fascinated with Warhol. I was studying him a bit more then. I was watching... I watched one of his movies for six hours. It played in an art gallery. I was in Sydney and you sat on beanbags and I really wanted to study him and understand his stuff. And it was just about being now, really, Andy. It was 2D, it wasn't 3D. It was what's happening right now because now it can be 2D, I suppose. So tell us about Ugly and um, what drew you to Ugly? Well, in my mid-20s, which is when I found the book, 1998, I was 28, and I discovered the book, and I read it over, like, two weeks. It was very quick, and it was every night I read it. And even on my day off, I was reading it. It might not even have been two weeks. It might have been a week. And I remember being obsessed with it. Because I had a mother who was bipolar. I believed she was cruel to me because people had told me that she was. And at the time, I thought what she did as a mother was quite natural or quite normal. So I found out later on it wasn't. So, you know, they're not the best parents. So reading something like this, you know, about a small black girl who was singled out in her family. And I, I thought that my mother had tortured us as children from being quite violent. So I, I connected with her story. The reason why I really connected with it is because I thought that as a child that had gone through such traumatic, had such a traumatic childhood, as I suppose I may have had, I sort of measured it with hers, Constance, and I thought, well, you know, there's someone that survived something much worse. My mother was different to Constance, but she was definitely as violent. And as a little child, when you're looking up to your parent and they're being violent towards you, you know, you really, you try to not, you try to disconnect from it, but you just also try to understand, but you're six or seven. It's really sad. And then, but then Constance's mother, um, it was really cruel. So um, what made you choose milk in your cue list? Well, you know, he's a very important man to homosexual fucking papa. Gay man history. Milk. And his whole story is so special to our history that somebody acceptance in diversity and understanding and it's important to watch, especially that version, because it was made by a gay director, Gus Van Sant. 
and I thought Sean Penn, he played a perfect milk. So I loved that. But he was sufficient for his, um, you know, for his sexuality. He was sex sufficient for a man like him. And then we're moving on to Paris is Burning. What voguing meant to me when I was second year of hairdressing. I would have been 18, 19, living in Auckland, maybe 20 even. Vogue came out, Madonna's Vogue, Paris is Burning first. Vogue came out sort of just as it came out, really, the movie. The movie had been playing a couple of weeks before it hit New Zealand stores, uh, shores, Madonna's Vogue. And at that time, it was such a culture, especially in the clubs I was going to. I was living in Auckland, and there was a club called Staircase, which was situated on Albert Street. And it was quite... It was a real time for voguing and hairdressing and makeup and fashion. And so I was involved right in the middle of it. Like, you know, hairdressing is such a tear in the whole um, process of fashion. And now finally we had a music. We had a song. It's very exciting. And then, then we had a movie of a culture that we were sort of semi-living but we were doing it our way. And that's what Paris is Burning was. We had queens that age. Our identities from that period were queer, gay, lesbian, bi, tranny, transsexual, transvestite, faggot. But faggot would come with other gays saying to other gays. Would even let lesbians say it to us but it wasn't offensive at that time, but it was if someone was about to hit you in the face, it'd be violent towards you. But other gays, we were settled on it. We are okay with it, as long as it wasn't violent, because then it could become a read, and it's not so serious. And I'm okay with that. I'm also okay with our youth, relatives or family that want to be known as certain pro other pronouns that I'm familiar with, just not, you know, I just don't have the natural ability with it where it just comes out of you like queer would <laughs> or gay. Yeah, but I'm okay with all of it, really, because I believe in freedom and I believe in choice and I believe in, but I also believe in now. And if you can do anything to look after your now, then do it. But if you don't want to, then don't, because it's your choice. But just look after yourself. It's your choice. But I reckon Paris is Burning for New Zealand probably came out in 89, 90. And there's also a son, a husband who is a psychiatrist who has a very disturbing secret life. I think what I liked about it is because it's so disturbing as a movie and it goes there. It's like Salem, you know that Italian movie, Salem? Anyway, this movie, Happiness, takes you there. And I think I'm repulsed, yet tested by it. So the artist you've selected, can you walk us through what impact and why they're on your cue list? Jo Russ is a friend. I love her work. Collage is her medium. 
She's known as a Kiwi artist curator and she's based in Las Vegas. And her work is just so inspirational to me, the way I look at it, the way that she reuses and repurposes a vision that might be on a magazine or something that she's reprinted or rephotographed or, you know. And then she rips it into this landscapes that she creates in these seascapes. It's really inspirational and in that that she's a friend also, I also love. I'm like, oh my God, she's also my friend, Joe Ross. <laughs> so Mike Bliss is an English artist. He's a homosexual. He does work, he does um, porn, really. Male porn, male art. And he has, you know, he's done screens, I suppose, hand printing. And then Warhol, really, Warhol for me, because I discovered Warhol when I was very young. You know, I was 12, 13. And when I discovered him, I was so excited that there was someone that was actually like that. And then he got shot. I was really upset about that, but then he lived again. I don't know how I found out when he got shot the first time, but I did. Maybe it was in Women's Weekly. But Warhol was, you know, the beginning of it all. He wasn't my, you know, he was my David Bowie, I suppose. But for me, it was Warhol. And the deadpanness connected me to lots of deadpan music like Dead or Alive, Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, and all of that, and that's what connected me to because it was a certain style. And also Duran Duran adored Andy Warhol. Oh, and then Indikio, he um he um went to say hello because he read a comment that I put on Joe Russ's page because she's one of my friends and I adored. Um, you know, because I'm an artist too, and I don't mind offering that to people in my vision, how I've imagined people should look. I feel I can do that. I've been doing it for a long time, 35 years. My hairdressing and makeup is very similar to my music and style. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, I was going to say to you, so when we look at your reflecting your cue list, how does that impact or how does that reflect your identity or how has that built your identity? The songs have definitely built my identity. The artists that I ended up falling in love with are part of my identity. It's the way I see art. And I see queer art, really. You know, all four of my artists are queer it's really important to me especially discussing it and sharing it with you like i have to stay for that it's so important for me for people to hear that we have this incredible vision to share with other people because we're gay it's different from being straight it's a different gift to people or family Okay, so much, yeah, it's a positive one. We're the ones that make it torturous. Mm. Let's expand on another movie and let's talk to us about Running With Scissors and Ryan Murphy and tell us why you've chosen this to be on your cue list. Well, I've got this obsession with, well, at that time, it's in my mid-twenties when I was still really trying to discover myself, I, um... I found this book. No, it was a movie first. I knew the movie was there, and I found the book first. The book is called Running With Scissors, but it's also a movie by Ryan Murphy, the director, who also did Glee, American Horror Story, you know, the Versace murder, American crime story, all that stuff. He's an incredible director. Anyway, he did Running With Scissors. The book is written by Augustine Burroughs, who is a gay author, also um, 
Ryan Murphy is obviously gay, or most people didn't know that. Ryan Murphy's gay. Ryan Murphy also did Pose, and Pose for him as a television show was it was very important that whatever gay roles or gay stories or transvest or transvest or any tranny stories or had to be told, had to be told by bare people. It wasn't meant to be impersonators of them. He preferred people that were would tell their stories through his TV show, Pose, which is quite beautiful about that show. Anyway, he was the director of Running With Scissors, and Running With Scissors is written by Augustine Burroughs, and it was written, it was a memoir, and he is gay, but his mother, Augustine Burroughs, in the book, he was sold to his mother's psychiatrist. So this stems to my the craziness of a mother, what a mother might do to your gay son, which is where I was interested in what, you know, Constance Briscoe, her mother, what she did to her. And then this also connects to that. And that other book, you know, A Child Called It. This is how they all connected to this movie and book, Running With Scissors. And I was like, see, there are other bad mothers. Thank you, Donald. Thank you for very much for taking the time to have this conversation. Nice talking to you, Michelle. Thank you for listening to The Q-List. Q-List can be found on www.samesamebutblack.co.nz, IG, Facebook, and all other social media platforms. 